Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of HR Chat brought to you by the HR Gazette. I'm your host, Bill Bannum, and today we are joined by John Holland. John is an award-winning journalist and a nationally recognized expert on leadership, talent, human resources, and workforce practices. John is an associate editor with, with us here at the HR Gazette, and he's previously worked as vice president for editorial at ERE Media, where he founded the highly popular HR and talent management website, TLNT. Before that, he was editor-in-chief of Workforce Management Magazine, the, na- the nation's oldest HR and talent management publication. In addition to his work as an editor and media executive, John is also a professor at the College of Communication at California State University. John, welcome to the HR Chat podcast. Hello, Bill. Great to talk to you again. I'm very excited to, to get you on as a guest. We, we met earlier this year. We went for a coffee. Uh, you're a great man with a fantastic story to tell. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to look at John Holland, the man, uh, your, your career, <laughs> <laughs> how, how you got into this space. Um, you're going to hopefully share some of your lessons and learnings with, with our listeners. So let, let's, let's jump straight in. Um, okay. Firstly, a bit about you. Uh, what, what, are, what are your passions outside of work? What, what motivates you? Do you, have, do you have a mantra? Well, I love to travel, and um, I'm involved quite a bit in my church. As you pointed out, I teach part-time at Cal State Fullerton and uh, enjoy uh, working with students there. I teach opinion writing a lot, um, but I've also taught ethics and magazine management and various things. Um, If I have a mantra, it's that it's never too late. And by that, I mean it's never too late to do things right. It's never too late to heal a relationship. It's never too late to do whatever that it is. I, I think in life, a lot of times people um, say, oh, I can't do it. It's I'm too old. I'm too this, that, like I'm too that. And my feeling, my philosophy, it's, it's never too late. So um, that is uh, how I live my life. I'm motivated by just the fact I, I there's always something I want to do and something I want to do better. So that pushes me to try to keep on keep on going. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So now I'd like you to tell us a bit about your career. So in addition to uh, the HR related journals I mentioned earlier in the intro, uh, you've you've also held editing positions at the late Los Angeles Herald Examiner, California Orange County Register, the Honolulu Advertiser in Hawaii, Fancy Publications in Irvine, and the San Diego Business Journal, just to name a few. So <laughs> please tell us uh, about, about your your career and and how you got up to where you're at now. Well, I was, um, I've always wanted to be a newspaper editor, and uh, I'm a journalist by trade. And so, uh, and I, I sort of grew up. I went to college through um, the Watergate era here, which uh, it's it was a time here in the United States where a lot of would-be journalists sort of looked at what Woodward and Bernstein had doing and how journalism could really even go as far as bring down a president. Um, and so I got into it then, and um, 
I achieved my goal. I was a newspaper ed, ed, editor uh, of two different statewide papers, one in Montana, one in Hawaii, and then I went on and I was a uh, magazine ed, editor. I was editorial director, and I and I edited a business journal too. So I did a lot of a lot of editing, and being a top a top editor is like a hard job and uh, a lot of fun. And uh, I certainly accomplish more than I thought. But if you'd asked me at the beginning, would I be doing something outside of print at this stage of my life? I probably would have said, oh, no, I'll be in print like my like my whole life. Print has changed. And um, in fact, there's not nearly as much print as there as there once was. So um, it's been a very, very interesting ride. It certainly certainly sounds that way. Um, let, let's look at your early career for a moment. Uh, who, who in your early career in, inspired you? Can you think of a, of a couple of managers maybe uh, who – Well, I can ha- think of one just jumps right off the top of my head, a guy named Tom Plate. And Tom um, was my – Tom was the editorial page editor at the Los Angeles Herald Examiner. And I was basically hired out of college there, and I was I worked as his opinion page editor. And Tom has continued to be a great friend all of my life. Tom went on – and was editor of the editorial pages of the Los Angeles Times. He's written a lot of books. He writes a column that appears in a lot of newspapers and stuff in like the Far East. But Tom was a great person to work with at my earliest stage. He was one who believed that anybody who worked for you had value. And so he would, you know, here's this guy who'd you know, written books and worked for news for Newsweek and various things. And he's tossing me like his like his ed- editorials and his columns and asking me to read them. And I'm just right out of college. So it was a great view into anybody can give you great insights. And no matter who they are, no matter how inexperienced they're there to help you, and they can help you. So Tom was a was like a great person to help. I also had a guy um, uh, who worked with me at the Orange County Register, um, Harry Graham. And when I started there, Harry was uh, the news editor and worked there for like 40 years. And I learned a lot from him on generational changes, where Harry knew he was on his way out, and he viewed his role as mentoring a new generation coming in. And that was one of the things I think that really, really um, drilled down into my mind is something that at some point you turn from learning how to do things to passing the wisdom you have and the knowledge on to another generation coming up. And in my in my teaching, I feel that I get a chance to do uh, a lot of that. Is that a big motivation for you then, uh, why you do the teaching? It is. You know, I find that um, it's really easy to say, oh, this teaching stuff is hard, and it is. I grade a lot of papers, and I do a lot of things there, but it is always so great when you see a student getting it, and near the end of the term, I always have a student or two. You see at some point that last third of the semester, the light bulb goes on, the switch gets flipped, and you can see, wow, they're really starting to get it. They're really listening to what I'm saying. They're applying it, and they're growing. And so that is like a like a like a great thing. And it's one of the reasons why I teach. And when I have those moments, and you don't have them a, a lot, it tells you this is why it's all worthwhile. Now let's move to uh, your role more as a 
as a editor and media executive specifically in the HR leadership talent space. Okay, um, this is a question that intrigues me because um, I'm also in in a similar space to yourself. Uh, what what was it like to be a, a commentator uh, within HR leadership talent? Well, you know, it's funny, Bill. I like to think of myself more as an influencer, which is a term that gets thrown a thrown around a lot. Um, and it's something that I never imagined I would be doing because when I was um, e- editing various various places, I saw that you had a certain amount of power as like a top editor. In the HR talent management space especially, there are tons of influencers, tons of people, many, many folks who have things that's worth hearing, worth reading, worth thinking on. and. I found that I had a particular knack for that. I draw on my longtime experience managing people, hiring people. When I went to workforce management, I had never worked for an HR publication, but it seemed like a very natural and logical uh, change because I had managed and hired so many people over the year, and I'd worked with so many HR people and so many managers, good and bad. Um, and Frank, to be frank, you learn more from the bad ones, I think, than you do the good. But it's a very, very interesting thing because I've got probably more status now than I did uh, when I was ed- editing what I thought to be more larger mainstream publications. Um, in the talent management space, and in fact, I think online and with the rise of things like Twitter and Snapchat and you know people posting things on Facebook and here and there – you have a lot more places where people can gravitate to what you write and what you say. And so you almost get to be a mini celebrity in like a little tiny space, which is which is which is like an intriguing thing. I think a lot of people are sort of um still focused on, well, how can I get like the eyeballs? And getting people to read your stuff is important, but when you're just worried about getting more eyeballs, Sometimes uh, I think you dip into writing about topics just to try to get a reaction out of people rather than writing from the heart or writing from what what, what you know. So I have enjoyed it. Frankly, it's something I, I, I never thought I would be I would be doing, but it's fun and here I am. <laughs> uh, whereabouts do you have lots of fun? What are, what are your favorite HR leadership and talent events to attend each year? Well, you know, I think that um, the the largest event in the HR space in the United States is the SHRM Society for Human Resource Management Annual Conference. It always happens in 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 late June. But really, that's one. There's a lot of people, but I I find it to be boring. If you've gone to one, you, you know, you might as well have gone to ten of them because they're 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 all exactly the same. I find probably the most intriguing event is the HR Technology Conference, which kind of ping-pongs back and forth between Chicago and Las Vegas. My friend Bill Kudyk um, at HR Executive sort of built that up. But that's a great event because you see all the new cutting-edge things that are going on in the HR and talent management space um, from a technological point of point of view it's also a pretty large event they get six to seven thousand people there outside of pure hr talent management things i like the great place to work conference um 
which uh, which which is held in the spring and uh, it's where they celebrate you know the best places to work and all and what you get into there is all of the qualities it takes to build a great place to work and it's not easy it takes lots and lots of time but it's wonderful because you get to hear you know people from um really marvelous companies that have figured out how to build a great business and treat people the right way and make them engaged and get more alike out of them. So that one's good too. And then probably one more would be the HR, what used to be called the HR Planning Society. They've changed what the initials go for. It's HRPS, but that's sort of a higher level event that speaks to HR vice presidents and people at that level and above. So when, when when you go to that, not so much the conference sessions or the speakers, but the conversations that you have in the hall are great because they're at such a higher level. You're talking to people who are managing departments and managing large groups of folks. And so just when you when you start to bump into those kinds of folks and you chat with them much at all, you're just talking at a much higher level about things sometimes you, you don't get to get to talk about when you have like an audience of people who don't sort of manage at that at that level. So those are probably the, the three that I think if somebody were to ask me, I would say these are the, the three you should probably go to if you're looking at talent management and sort of HR in the broad sense. Wonderful. Thank you. Now let's um, let, let's have one last sort of reflective question, if, if, if I may. Um, from what you've seen over the years, what, what have been the biggest changes in the ways that employees communicate and collaborate as a result of the on-site, onset and gradual normalization, if you like, of, of the digital revolution. Uh, you know, you've, you've got a career spanning nearly 30 years, is that correct? Yes. So what have, what have been some of those big changes you've seen since, uh, since digital practices, HR tech has become, become the norm? Well, I would say that just the rise of social media and the rise of people being able to communicate in ways in the past you couldn't communicate it like at all. Um, I've seen companies try to hold down and to sort of, you know, keep inside what people say about, you know, like their organizations. You know, I can recall, you know, not that long ago, people working for Apple were talking about, oh, I saw the the, the new release of iPods on the dock, and they are going to be out soon, and then they got fired for it. Um, now it's really, really hard to sort of block that kind of thing. In fact, companies there are still some. Uh, I don't know why they why they why they do it, but but try to block employees on social social media, and you really can't because yeah, they may not get on social media on their work computer, but they've got a smartphone and they've got tablets and they've got other ways to like to do it. But there's much more out there, both both good and bad. There's there's a lot more discussion about what's going on in the workplace, about what people are doing at work, about what's good, about what's bad, about what's up, about what's down on social social media, whether it be Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or Snapchat or any of these other d- d- digital check channels. And just it's given more power to employees. It's also made it a much more, you know, difficult management challenge because, you know, how do you manage things when everybody knows everything? That's That's not entirely true, but it's much more true now than it was 10 to – 
15 year, years ago. Um, and if you had told me, you know, 20 years ago that, you know, print would be pretty well dying or near gone and everybody would be communicating in all these different ways, I would have told you that you're like crazy. But um, it's it's one of the things, you know, to get back to like your earlier question, that has driven this whole notion of influencers in the HR and talent management space. It is very easy for anybody who's motivated to start a blog, to get on Twitter, to get on LinkedIn, to get on Facebook, and to reach a lot of people. And so that's probably the number one change. And it's uh, continuing to affect our affect our workplace in lots of ways. I think a lot that you see on the social social media isn't very good. A lot of it is nasty. Um, but I think the debate we have is much larger and more robust than it ever could have been in the past. I remember when I started out in my career about 10 years ago, uh, a company called Haymarket uh, Publishing House in, in, in London. We, that was actually the first year they were moving over from print to digital, um, to, to, to your point there. And uh, at that stage, you really could stop people from going on their social media um, because right. the, smart, the, the smartphones hadn't quite come in yet. Um, yes. <laughs> so I'd, I'd have colleagues who would know, come in and like, oh, man, we, we can't go on Facebook until we get home. Um, but those days are, are certainly gone now. Um, so what else is going to go in the future? What what traditional HR management roles do you think may become more automated over the next few years? Well, you know, I, I think that we are seeing more and more that a lot of the basic paperwork um, or sort of background functions in the HR space, that technology can help to handle those you know, those those kinds of things that 25 years ago used to be sort of a staple of what the HR department was. They got the forms right. You filled out all of the paperwork that they managed all of that. The whole managing of that has gotten to be, you know, a, a much more – I hate to say it's a minor blip because it's a little bit more than that. But it's not a lot more than than that. There's just not as much focus on uh, on that, and it kind of comes back down to I think the the real focus now for HR and for you know people managing talent is what Jack Welch, the former General Electric CEO, said that you know what his HR director needs to be, what his HR vice president needs to be, is kind of like you know the director a player personnel for a baseball team or a basketball team focused entirely on talent, focused on how do we get great talent? How do we train great talent? How do we keep great talent? That's going to be more and more the focus, getting better people, better people, better talent is the game changer between a company that's great and one that wants to be great, just like it is for a team. Although there's a lot of people who will point out, you know, oftentimes teams that have a lot of great players don't necessarily win the championship because they're not focused on being a team. It's a collection of great individuals, but they can't work together particularly well as a team. But still, having the great talent and getting them to work as a team, that is the big game changer that that I think more and more are going to be f- focusing on. We are going to see less and less worry about sort of, you know, oh, make sure you got your I-9 form done or make sure the tax forms are done or make sure, you know, this person's got like their, you know, time card in or that we're paying them right. And much more about, you know, 
how can we leverage our talent to get more and to build the business more? Okay, so we've we've danced around uh, topics around technology and changing processes and the way people interact and whatnot. So I, I guess we can't avoid at least one question about uh, <laughs> about millennials and generation gaps. Um, you, you recently said in a fistful of talent interview that you believe millennials get a bad shake from everyone ragging on them. Do, do, you, do you think that millennials are associated with negative stereotypes, John? If so, are they are they unjustified? Talk to me about. That, I am I amazed at how many, how much I read people, you know, stereotyping millennials, and it's it's really hard to stereotype a whole generation of people. Um, you know, as a baby boomer, I remember when baby boomers were sort of talked about in the same ways. Oh, the baby boomers are this, the baby boomers are that. I think millennials get the same rap, and. As I tell people, I've got three millennials in my own household. Um, I have been teaching them in a college environment for like 10 years. Every generation has their own challenges. Every generation has their own strengths. Every generation has their own um, quirks and things that you need to manage for. And that's the role of a manager. A manager deals with the different personalities and people they have under them. You know, not everybody is the same. You need to adjust how you deal with deal with pe- people. And and this this notion that for some reason millennials as a generation are so different than the generations that preceded them, I think is I think is crazy. Uh millennials are just different and as managers we need to change our approach to dealing with uh with them. My take is they 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 much more do not want to be dictated to. They don't want a command and control management structure. They want somebody to sit down and talk with them, to work with uh with them, to sort of view them in a much more collegial team sort of like setting, which by the way, I think is a is a better way to manage period. Um, but I think they just get a terribly, terribly bad rap. It's just another generation that's got a different way that they view life because of how they were raised and because of when they were raised. And we need to quit griping about them and just, you know, spend more time working on how do we, how do we manage them and how do we get the best out of them. Thank you. Pretty inspiring words there, John. Um, we're we're getting to the point where we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon. But before we do that. Um, how can how can our listeners learn more about you? Well, they can certainly look me up on LinkedIn. You know, they can they can go there and look at what I've done and 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 various things. You can they can always drop me a note uh, at my email address, which is John Holland one word J O H N H O L L O N at yahoo dot com. Um, I write for Fistful of Talent. Um, I write. For HR Gazette, Thank you somewhat. Very much. <laughs> I need to write more, um, but I but like I do that. And um, right now, I'm kind of in between uh, jobs or gigs, but uh, you know, I'll probably be, be be landing something else here soon. But I am writing, you know, and I am out there. Um, I get people dropping me notes all the, the time. I'm always happy to engage with people. Sometimes, you know, the the most interesting things come in the most unlikely ways. And so I am always happy to get 
I email people like asking me things. The one thing I that I get quite a bit, I, I get people asking me legal questions. And what I have to keep telling them is I'm not like an attorney. I've managed people for like a, a lot of years. Why don't you go to these kinds of places and try to get a better a better like answer here? But I I get people I just had last uh, last week. So someone asking me about a performance a performance improvement plan they had been they had been put on. Those are the 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 kinds of things I'm always amused when I get those get those questions. But given that I'm not an attorney and I don't want to put myself at risk acting like one, those are the kinds of things I really cannot spend a whole lot of time talking about. But I'll be happy to point you to like a place where you can get yourself an answer. Okay, listeners. So reach out to John, um, but don't send him lots of legal questions. He, he, the guy's not a lawyer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, John, thank you so much for being our guest today. This has been a really... Thank you, Bill. Always a pleasure. And uh, I hope to get you on again very soon. I love it. Thanks again. Okay, listeners, this is uh, taking us to the end of this particular HR Chat podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette. I've been your host, Bill Bannum. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette.